Hello, people of the way. If you have your Bible, please open up to Deuteronomy chapter 14. Deuteronomy 14. And what we see here in Moses in his continuation of what we've been studying the past several weeks in his discourse to the second generation that's passing into the promised land, it's I, I love this so much because, yes, it's his discourse, but at the same time, it reminders. Don't forget, don't forget, don't forget. Remember, 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 you know. And the same thing we see in our studies in the New Testament, a lot of repetition, Old Testament and New Testament, repetition, 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 repetition. Do you know why? Because the Lord knows us. He knows, I mean, he made us. And we do tend to, to forget. Remember, we are in the world. We're not of the world. And as we look at the aspects of spiritual warfare as new covenant believers, and we look at the aspects of spiritual warfare, the dangers of the flesh, the dangers of the world, the dangers of Satan and uh, things demonic and things of the spirit realm, there's always these attacks that come against us. Now, fully equipped with the word of God, we understand, but then at the same time, to remember, 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 don't forget, don't forget, don't forget. And we see this in verse 1, chapter 14, Deuteronomy. You are the children of the Lord your God. You shall not cut yourselves. Very interesting what we see how in these, remember that the, the children of Israel, the second generation, they're going into the promised land and then to enter the promised land, there are other other peoples there, other religions there, other uh, uh, forms of uh, 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 belief systems as they worship other gods. Now, it's, you know, the, the full acknowledgement that, yes, these gods do have power, such as we saw in Egypt. Remember in Egypt how uh, uh, the the, uh, uh, the priests of Pharaoh, how they went to Pharaoh and says, you know, Pharaoh, it's not, I'm paraphrasing, but, you know, Pharaoh, it's no big deal. We can do this, too. Look, the God of Israel, they, 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 he turns the water blood and look, we can do the make the water blood, too, in accordance to our gods. You see, and so there are, there is the, the uh, 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 power, powerful aspect of other gods. But the question is, who is almighty? Who is the most high? And as surely as he lives, it is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Look what he did to Pharaoh. Look what he did to Egypt. Look what he did to their gods. And remember, in the course of time, the priests of Egypt, they were the ones you know, their gods could do the, uh, make the blood, uh, make the water uh, uh, red, but they couldn't make it hail. You see? And as the Lord made himself known in Egypt, all of a sudden the priests who gave counsel to Pharaoh to ignore the God of Israel, they were the very ones to tell Pharaoh, pleading to Pharaoh to yield to the God of Israel. And Pharaoh hardened his heart. You see, yes, God hardened his heart, but don't forget, Pharaoh hardened his heart, Pharaoh hardened his heart, Pharaoh hardened his heart, boom, God hardened his heart. You see, and that's what happens when a soul rejects Jesus Christ. I meant to reject Jesus Christ, it's not a good thing, but each time there's the rejection of Jesus Christ, either in word or deed, behaviors, the rejection of Jesus Christ, you know what happens? The heart becomes harder it's called you know the deceitfulness of sin that's the trap of satan he knows he knows what happens when a person walks away from the lord he knows exactly the deceitfulness of sin and that's what he uses in order for a heart to get hard now you and me we're equipped with this because we study the scriptures we've studied passages about this hebrews 3 how many times do you hear this reference hebrews 3 now since i said it 
Let's look there really quick. Hebrews 3, verse 12, Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God, but exhort one another daily. Not once a year. Not every month. Exhort one another daily what is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. You see, the hard heart. And this is, you know, we see that in the world. But remember, in verse 12, Beware, brethren. This is inside the church. A threat that is inside the church. And it's so powerful because even the priests of Egypt in the course of time, they were the ones who encouraged Pharaoh. Don't worry, Pharaoh, our gods are better. But in the course of time, what did they say? Pharaoh, I know we said, you know, don't worry, but now is the time to worry. Our gods cannot do what their God can do. Our God is not as power. Our gods are not as powerful as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Israel. You see? And the Lord made himself known in Egypt, but don't forget. The Lord will make himself known again. Today, he, I mean, he's starting, we're, we're starting to see him do it himself in terms of what we see happen on the face of the earth. But today, even still, and even to the end, he does it also through his vessels. Just like, I mean, look at the Lord making himself known in Egypt, but then also making himself known through Moses and Aaron. You see, same thing in the last days. The Lord will be making himself, I mean, he's already, I mean, he, he does it throughout the generation. I don't, throughout the generations, I don't want to say like he's already started to do it, even though like when we read the the, the prophetical uh, implications of uh, uh, what, uh, Isaiah wrote, what Jeremiah wrote, what Amos wrote, what Joel wrote, what uh, Matthew wrote, all inspired of the same spirit, instructed by the same Lord in accordance to the same spirit. Everything aligns perfectly. Now we see the events of the last days are already starting. It's, 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 uh, 70 weeks are decreed. Don't forget, 70 weeks are decreed. And then at the same time, you know, we understand that the Lord will make himself known and it's going to be amplified. I mean, he makes himself, remember, when when uh, uh, Elijah, you know, uh, when the Lord says, here, stand here, stand here. And all these things, the big, mighty, wit gust away, all these things happen, you know, is the Lord there? And then the Lord says to him, you know, the still, small voice, the still, small voice. 500 years ago, still small voice. Today, still small voice. But as the Lord makes himself known, it's going to be amplified more and more and more through signs. And we don't believe, you know, it's not that we place our faith in the signs and wonders. It is a, it is a wicked and cruel generation which seeks after signs. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. You see? I mean, when we read the scriptures and understand the scriptures, something happens and it's supernatural where the Lord, remember, knowledge is a gift of the Holy Spirit. Remember, 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 remember. Don't forget, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget. Because one of the dangers of the last days, there's many dangers, perilous times, times of sorrows, the plurality of the sorrows in these perilous, treacherous times. Don't forget that unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved, even the elect. 
As much as we say, remember, 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 don't forget, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget. You know what's going to happen? People will forget. People will not remember. And people will fall away. The apostasy, a defection away from truth. It is prophesied to happen. And we're seeing these things happen inside the church. A defection away from truth. The abandonment of sound doctrine. These things are prophetic. These things must come to pass. But how beautiful it is for the remnant who don't forget. And so we see this in verse 1, Deuteronomy 14. You are the children of the Lord your God. Don't forget, don't forget, don't forget who you are. You shall not cut yourselves. And now we see this in uh, anthropologically speaking, in accordance to serving these other gods. What happens is Israel, they're going to enter the promised land, but there's these influencers, other people serving other gods. And it's not to say that, you know, uh, their displacement is because of your awesomeness, Israel. Remember our study in previous chapters? It's not because you're awesome, but because of their wickedness. They were given time to repent and align themselves with Jehovah. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But they didn't. And now it's time for judgment. You see? But it's not because Israel is like, you know, oh, you're so awesome. You're so awesome. No, it's because the Lord, that door of grace is now closing. That's that's the biblical model, Old Testament and New Testament. Because this door of grace that you and me have been blessed to walk through by his mercy, by his grace, and by his love. That door is closing. That door is closing. And it will close. And we have to remember what this biblical model is and how the Lord works. It's not to say like, oh, cool, we made it through the door and, you know, woof, you know, we're, we're good to go. I mean, there's the aspect of rejoicing because we're in Christ. But now comes the question, stay in Christ. And then number two, you know, have our shield, have our sword full breastplate, the the, uh, helmet, but then don't forget the fishing poles. Let's go fishing, you see? Saving souls, rescuing as through fire, as Brother Jude says, inspired by the same spirit that is is, is inspiring uh, uh, Moses, inspiring, uh, that has inspired Moses and Amos and Zephaniah. Paul. We see these cut. You shall not cut yourselves. Very interesting. This is a very common practice in these other people's cutting, cutting, cutting. Today too. Today too. It is demonic. It is demonic. Turn with me really quick to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. And in Mark 5, we see this, verse 1. Then they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadarenes. And when he had come out of the boat, this is Jesus Christ, the fulfillment of the law and the promise. When he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs of a man with, uh, there met him out of the tombs of a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs. Very interesting. Just like the great soakers that we see today in these last days, hanging out among the tombs. And no one could bind him, not even with chains. That's this unclean, the the man with the unclean spirit. No one could bind him. 
very strong, very powerful in human ability. You know, the I say human ability, but it's supernatural when it's demonically possessed. We have the, you might have, if you've been walking with us for a while, you know, our uh, pastor in California, my pastor in California, he was a, uh, chaplaincy for the LAPD, Los Angeles Police Department, uh, in Southern California. And he was uh, in the chaplaincy program. And there were these cops that went to make an arrest of an old lady and they couldn't arrest her. You think, you know, two cops, you know, they travel in pairs and two cops easily, piece of cake, you know, arrest the old lady, handcuffs behind the back and, you know, no big deal, piece of cake. But no, it wasn't a piece of cake. And one of the cops there, they called for backup. No one could arrest her. And one of the cops, he knew, he's like, you know, she's demonically possessed. She's possessed. And so he called the pastor, the cha- the chaplain. And so he went over there with the, the co-pastor. And so you had these two men. Two men go in. You know, the, the cops with their backup, they couldn't arrest this old lady. Physically, they could not. They, they didn't have the strength to arrest this lady. And one cop knew, okay, this he was a Christian. And this is the demonically possessed lady. And so the pastor, you know, my pastor in California, he told, tells the cops, okay, everybody stand away. Because what happens when a demon leaves, that demon is going to search for another vessel. And so he tells the cops, okay, just, you know, back off a little bit. You know, we're going to go here. We're going to enter this house. And so the pastor, they go into the house and the lady was demon possessed. And so what they do is that, you know, they, 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 they fought. They, I mean, it, not a physical fight, but it's a spiritual fight. And just like we see in the book of Acts, you know, a demon leaving a person. And once that was done, now I don't want to gloss over it and say, yeah, it's a piece of cake, you know, once that's done. Listen, if somebody, if somebody is going to engage and practice in the, in exorcism, in, in combating demon possession, you better be right with the Lord. You better be right with the Lord. This isn't like, you know, uh, you know, like anybody can go do it. No, you have to be dead. This is, this is something, a practice that is only for the crucified. The formula must be right. I know there's a lot of, uh, I'm doing my air quotes. There's a lot of ministries, uh, Catholic ministries that attempt to do it. No, that's a lie. That's a lie. The formula must be be right. I mean, you know, you see the, the priests, you know, they got their holy water, they have their crosses, their crucifix, you know, and they dress a certain way and, you know, they say all these different things. No, that that's theater. Biblically speaking, you better be dead. Remember the sons of Siva when the demon says, you know, Jesus, I know, Paul, I know, but who in the world are you guys? You see? And it was, you know, it, it was like the, the similar case with the cops. There were multiple guys and one demon possessed. And the one that was demon-possessed beat them all up. The demon came out and all of a sudden just beat them all up. And then they ran away naked. That's in the Bible. This is something that's beyond human strength. It is supernatural. And if anybody is going to engage in this part of spiritual warfare, like the, the physical part of spiritual warfare in you know uh, 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 confronting the demon-possessed, you better make sure the formula is right in what you follow, what you, uh, the doctrine that you follow, and then also that the, the formula is right in your heart because it's hardcore. And these things are going to be amped up in the last days, a lot of demonic possession in the last days. Because remember, Satan knows his time is short and his demons, his minions, they all know. So they're very active. The spirit realm is very, very, very active. A lot of times the people 
in accordance to Adam, blind, blind to this aspect of spiritual warfare. And there are some people who say, oh, yeah, we're awake to spiritual warfare. So, you know, we're going to use our crystals. We're going to do our uh, chakras. No, that's that's also demonic. They think, okay, I'm fully awake and I'm not influenced by these evil spirits. Wrong. You are. I mean, if you're into chakras and the uh, uh, your candles, your incense, and you do your crystals and all that, it's 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 no point. You're you, you think you're awake, but you're not awake. It's pointless. It's pointless. <gasps> How dare you say that? How dare you say that? But it is written. It is written. The only safety is in Jesus Christ, not in the crystals, not in the chakras. You know, not in you know. Uh, they call the extra sensories. No. And so we see this aspect of spiritual warfare, but we see this unclean spirit, a man with the unclean spirit. And in verse three in Mark five says, "No one could bind him, not even with chains." You see, because he was strong. Not even with chains. In verse 4, because he had often been uh, been bound with shackles and chains and the chains had been pulled apart by him. You see, imagine that. I mean, if somebody puts chains on you and, all, you know, you can't, you can't bust out of them. But this demon-possessed guy, piece of cake. Why? Because there's a strength inside of him that's not natural. It's supernatural, but it's also evil. Don't forget, when you say supernatural, when you hear us say supernatural, there are two aspects. There's good and bad. God and Satan. Both are powerful. And God is uh, the most high. But there's still power behind these demonic spirits. And no one could shackle him. And, you know, because he was bound in shackles and chains and the chains had been pulled apart by him and the shackles broken in pieces, neither could anyone tame him. He was demonically possessed. And always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs crying out and cutting himself with stones. He was a cutter. He was a cutter. Now, if you're a cutter, which is very, it's growing in popularity, cutting, depression. People say, oh, I'm so depressed. I'm so depressed. And so I'm going to cut myself. Listen to me. It's demonic. If you're into cutting, it is demonic it is satanic. Now, it's not to say that, you know, it's not to nullify the depression. You know, if, if you're depressed and you cut because you're depressed, it's not to say, oh, your depression is nothing because depression is very real. Very real. I mean, remember, we're living in times of sorrows. Times of sorrows. There are plenty reasons to be depressed over all kinds of different things. But the question is, what do we do when that depression hits? You know, we take the meds, get zombied up. Do we, you know, get take the alcohol? You know, that was my vice. I ran to the bottle. And then all of a sudden, we have to understand that there is power and healing in Jesus Christ. You say, wait a second, I've been a Christian my whole life and I still suffer with depression. Well, then now we have to understand this. Which Jesus? Which Jesus? I mean, that's hardcore. I mean, that's kind of like strange. See, what do you mean, which Jesus? Because remember, in the last days, all this buildup into the last days. I mean, we're at the precipice of the beginning of the 70th week. But the buildup for the last, say, 50 years, the buildup to this point, we'll say since 1948. The buildup since 1948. Look at 
Other Christs are prophesied, lowercase c. Other Christs in accordance with other spirits, in accordance with other prophets, false prophets, false teachers, false pastors, other Christs. And people today, they say, wow, you know, I'm abiding in Christ. I'm abiding in Christ. But wait a second, which Christ is it? Is it the Christ that says you can take the mark of the beast? Is it the Christ that says you can go grape soaking? Is it the Christ that calls glitter the Holy Spirit? Is it the Christ that's the, you know, into money preaching? Is it the Christ that is into replacement theology? Because those Christs are the lowercase c. The real Jesus Christ, the real Jesus Christ, healing is found in him. You see, healing is found in him and in him alone. And you might think I'm crazy for saying that. You might think like, what in the world? Why, why does he say? And as we get further, I mean, when the 70th week hits, there's going to be a period of uh, fake peace. Everything's going to seem like it's fine, but it's not fine. And then the last three and a half years is going to be hell on earth, literally hell on earth. And it's at that time when you'll realize it's going to be more palpable than it is today. I mean, for me to say that, uh, I mean, say, for example, if you're into grave soaking and you say, oh, yeah, I'm abiding in Christ and I go lay on the graves with my pastor. And then you hear me say, OK, that Jesus, lowercase j, won't save you. There's no safety in, in that. I mean, you think you're abiding in Christ, but you're abiding in a fake Christ. Now, I know that's very abrasive today. I mean, you hear that today and you're like, oh my goodness, who is this guy? He's too crazy. You know, he's he's mean-spirited. How dare he say that? How dare he say that? But in the future, I mean, the beginning of the 70th week, once that hits, in the middle of the 70th week, once that hits, and then right at that time, maybe even a year later, six months later, then you're going to realize, oh my goodness, a grave soaking isn't helping me. This study Bible that says, you know, take the mark of the beast. The guy says, take the mark of the beast and I'm good to go. That's not helping. That doesn't save me. And so today you think I'm crazy by saying that, you know, you're a grave soaker. That's another Jesus. Where do you find grave soaking in the Bible? I mean, you see it among the, the unbelievers. You see it among the non-circumcised. But you don't see it among the believers, those who obey you never see Jesus Christ. You never hear, you never read of Jesus Christ. Remember the word became flesh and you never hear in the word to go and, you know, go to the graves and lay on the graves and soak in the spirit that's in the graves, which they call the Holy Spirit. You never see that. And I'm the crazy one. You might think I'm crazy today. But once we hit that point where the Antichrist is revealed biblically, following the timeline, the, the prophetic events, once we hit that point and he wants you dead and those who worship and adore him, which is going to be the, the masses, once the Antichrist wants the Jews and the Christians dead, the world is going to be on board with that. And it's going to be very dangerous. Very, very dangerous. Just so you know, I don't teach a pre-tribulation rapture. If you're pre-tribulationist, listen to our study. Uh, uh, it's called The Time of Jacob's Trouble, Biblically Explained. And then there's also another study. It's called When is the Rapture? And you'll understand more. But once we hit those points in the future, then you're going to understand, wow, this guy who I thought was crazy, maybe he's not so crazy. Maybe he was right. 
Maybe he was right when he said, you know, I thought he was crazy when he says that I'm abiding in another Jesus. But now this, what, my grave soaking, it, it's not helping. You see? Oh, and I, you know, I, 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 I go to this fellowship where there's a thousand people in the church and surely the Lord is there because look, I see the fruit of the spirit. Well, listen, that's, that's fruit in numbers. But fruit of the spirit has nothing to do with numbers. Fruit of the Spirit has nothing to do with numbers. You could have a church with five people. And you see the beautiful fruit of the Spirit. You could have a, a church or fellowship with 5,000 people and no fruit. You say, wait a second, I go to this church, there's a thousand people and a thousand people speak in tongues. Well, that's not the biblical model. That's a model that is carnal. But the biblical model, listen to our study through 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13 and 14. The biblical model is clear. The formula must be right. And abiding in Jesus Christ, in Him, the real Jesus, not the fake one, there is power and there is healing. And so, you know, that's kind of a, a long way to address the cutter. But there are a lot of cutters these days. And the, the majority of cutters that I've spoken to, and I want to say all of them, and I'm just thinking really... I'm, I'll say all of them, all of the cutters that I've spoken to, they started to cut because of depression. Major, 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 major depression. But they went to the wrong voice. They heard the wrong voice. They went to the wrong source. Remember, I, I, we, we, we look at it all the time. Turn with me really quick to Luke 8. And in Luke 8, this is what happens. In Luke 8, verse 11, the seed is the word of God. Now, verse 12. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear. This is the word of God. Who hear the word of God. I mean, you know, remember verse 11, the seed is the word of God. But verse 12 says, are the ones who hear, which is the word of God. Then the devil comes. You see, then the devil comes. Now, if you're a cutter, if you're a cutter, Today, you, you woke up today, your, 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 your eyes opened up, your head is on your pillow, your eyes open up, and you're an active cutter. When you woke up this morning, or whenever you woke up, you were on the wayside. You were on the wayside. Where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth, straight up hellfire damnation. Hell. That's the pathway to hell. And that's you when you woke up this morning. This is only if you're if you're a cutter and you're on the wayside and you're heeding the voice of Satan. That's the path that you were on that you were on when you woke up this morning. And who do you go to? Who is it that tell, that's telling you to cut? Why why is it that you're obeying this voice to, that says, you know, oh, just cut yourself? You're sad, you're depressed because of X, Y, Z, one, two, three, maybe a multiple of X, Y, Z, and one, two, three, and you're sad because of this. I'll give you the solution. Go to the bottle, start cutting, do your lines, do all these things. And why is it that this voice never says, go to Jesus Christ? Why is it that this voice never says, open your Bible? The voice always says, go do these things, go do your drugs, go do your alcohol, and start cutting yourself. Why is it? The answer is this. The devil comes in verse 12 and takes away the word out of their hearts. And that's what Satan has been doing to you. If you're a cutter, 
That's what Satan has been doing to you. That's what Satan has been doing to you. Why? Because it says here, lest they should believe and be saved. Satan doesn't want you to believe. Now, that's hardcore. When you hear me say, well, you woke up this morning and you were on the wayside, straight up, weeping, gnashing of teeth, hellfire, damnation. But I have good news for you. It doesn't have to be that way. There is a better way. His name is Jesus Christ. There is a better way. He is the one who says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Those are his words. I'm just the messenger. You woke up today by the wayside and you go to bed tonight with still waters. Still waters. How does that happen? You have to believe in Jesus Christ. You must believe in Jesus Christ. Satan doesn't want that for you. Satan will say, oh yeah, go ahead and cut yourself. Go ahead and cut. You're so depressed. Go ahead and cut yourself. Old Testament, New Testament. That's what he's been doing. Look at all these people. Israel, they're going to go into the promised land. And the Lord is telling, Moses is telling them, but they, you know, this is, these are like refresher courses because these are things that we've studied already in Leviticus and Numbers and a little bit in Exodus. These are little refresher courses for Moses to say, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget. And he's telling the children of Israel, when you get into these lands, don't start cutting like these other people do. Influenced by Satan. Other God, not the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, influenced by these other gods, the spirit world. And they were cutters. But not for Israel. And not for you. You say, wait a second, Israel, what are you talking about? I'm not, I'm not even Jewish. What are you talking about? Don't forget, provisions for Gentiles to be grafted into Israel in accordance to the law, but by faith. For you and me to be grafted also into Israel by faith. The heirs of Abraham. That's, we're living in biblical times. And Satan doesn't want you to have this awakening to realize that the path that he is taking you on is to destroy you, to kill you. Eternal separation from God. Now, you have to repent and receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And if you're a cutter or you're depressed to the point where you go to the, the bottle or depressed in anything, not to the point where you go to the bottle, maybe just depressed. You go to the bottle, you go to the drugs, you do whatever, you cut. And I say that, you know, if, if you do those things, but if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, hit pause and let today be the last day of your unbelief and also the first day of your belief in Jesus Christ and be born again. Receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Satan doesn't want you to be, believe and be saved. And so he'll put everything in your path, the drugs, and he'll even make you feel better. Oh, look, you can take a hit of this and you'll feel like a million bucks. And you might feel like a million bucks, but the next day, an hour later, Five hours later, you're going to feel like dirt, lower than dirt. I tell you these things from experience. I don't tell you these things because the guy on TV said it. I've had it both ways. I've walked with Satan and I've walked with Jesus Christ. And walking with Jesus 
His yoke is easy and his burden is light. And he loves you. He desires to walk with you. But it's your sin that separates you from him. You see? And people say, oh, wait a second, I got all these problems. You know, I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus Christ and I'm abiding in Jesus Christ, but I have no healing. I have no healing. Well, the question is, which Jesus? Is it the biblical Jesus? Because the unbiblical Jesus, lowercase j, lowercase c, the other Christ, there's no power in that. He can't, that Christ can't save you. There's no safety in that Christ. You see? I mean, we look at this apostasy that is happening. Those are other Christ because, you know, remember the last day's church is either false, apostate, entering apostasy, or it is true. Now, for those in a false, apostate, entering apostasy, they think they're abiding in Christ. But when the Bible tells us that there's no safety in that, there must be another Christ. Just as the Bible teaches us other Christs. You say, well, I don't have healing in this. I don't have healing in that. Well, is your abiding in another Christ? I mean, we have to be hardcore. We have to be hardcore because... You know, I've heard the argument before. Oh, I can't, you know, why do you say it like that? You're so mean-spirited. You're so mean-spirited to say that the grave soaking is so bad and all these things. How dare you say that against this guy? Look, he's a he's anointed by the Lord. I don't see the anointing of the Lord because those who are really anointed of the Lord never deviate from the Lord. I know the things I say are very hardcore. And, you know, I also say there's no other way to live. But also because... There's no salvation in other Christs. There's no healing in other Christs. There's no safety in other Christs. There's no power in other Christs. There is only one, the real Christ. Genesis to Revelation, the word became flesh. And Satan doesn't want you to know. Satan doesn't mind if you follow the other Christs. He doesn't mind whatsoever because he knows you're going to burn in hell. Satan doesn't mind if you want to do your grave soaking. Satan doesn't mind if you want to take the mark of the beast and listen to the study Bible guy who says, take the mark of the beast, you'll still be saved. Satan doesn't care because he knows where that leads to. He likes it when he hears so-called pastors say, go ahead and take the mark of the beast. He loves it. You see? Oh, you're so mean-spirited. How? You might think so today. But as we're well into the 70th week, once that starts and we're well into the 70th week and the Antichrist is going to be revealed, will be revealed, remember these words. Because if you're in the fake Christ, if you're abiding in the false Christ, there's no safety in that. Only death. But the real Christ in him, there is safety and life. Let's go back to Mark 5. And so you have this guy. Neither could anyone take him at the end of verse 4. And so he was possessed by demons. He says in verse 5, And always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out, cutting himself with stones. You see? These demonic powers. Oh, just cut yourself. Just cut yourself. Just cut yourself. You see? And he was heeding those voices. 
He's demonically possessed. I, w- I wonder the first time, before he was demonically uh, 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 possessed, I wonder what that first voice, how he heeded that first voice. Oh, just, just do a little crack, no big deal. See? It's always baby steps. Always baby steps. Verse 6. When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. I think this is so beautiful and also so sad. So beautiful and so sad. Because he goes, he runs to Jesus and he worships Jesus Christ. You say, wait, how is he worshipping Jesus Christ? He's demonically possessed. And I think it's sad and beautiful because sad... In terms of his demonic possession. The state of this guy. But then beautiful also too. Because it's like man you know like. Hopeful. Hopeful. I mean. Have you ever had a conversation with. A a drug addict. An alcoholic. When they know what they're doing is wrong. But yet. They run to the bottle, they run to the needle, they run to the spoons, they run to their dealer, but then they also run to Jesus Christ, and it's sad. It kills me. And I used to be in that boat with the, when it comes to the bottle. You want both. Lord, I love you, but I also love my crack. Lord, I love you, but I also love my, you know, Jim Beam. Lord, I love you, but I also love... It's sad, it's sad and it's beautiful because it's like you see the, the running to Jesus Christ and the worship to Jesus Christ, but it also breaks my heart. And here you have this guy who's demonically possessed and you see his internal struggle. The internal struggle. And maybe that's you. Maybe you're listening and you have these addictions, sex, drugs, alcohol, whatever it is. You love Jesus Christ. But for some reason, there's no healing. You, you're, uh, you, the sex, the drugs, the alcohol, and for some reason, there is no healing. What is it? I'll give you the answer. Maybe you've been running to another Jesus. Maybe you've been running to another Jesus. There is only one. There's a. What if there were a million Christs and all of them had a lowercase c? You have a million Christs. They all look the same. And they all had the lowercase j, the lowercase c. All of them, Jesus Christ, lowercase j, lowercase c. But there was only one with the uppercase j and the uppercase c. How would you know? You've been running to one, two, three, four, five. You've been running to 900,000. And you're still an addict. Sex, drugs, alcohol. Sex, drugs, rock and roll. The whole nine yards. You're still an addict. I say to you, run to the real Jesus and worship him. Because there's only one who can do that. There is only one who can do that. Now, if you've been if you've been listening for a while and you know you've heard me say you know hit pause and repent and receive Jesus and you've never done that cut it out cut it out 
You say, oh, he's so mean-spirited. How could he say it like this? He's so mean. He's so mean. How could he say it? Number one, I don't see mean-spirited. But then number two, understand that there is a... I understand the abrasive nature behind the things that we say, the things that we discuss. I fully understand the abrasive nature of it. But it's abrasive for a reason. Because truth hurts. Truth is painful. You know, when I would yield to Jim Beam and my various bottles, and when I would yield to that, it was, the Bible was painful. The Bible was very painful to read. Because I liked my Jim Beam, even though my Jim Beam was killing me. You see, I liked my alcohol. Little did I know that it was killing me. I thought I had like you know, I had life, and I might have had had life for a couple hours, but it wasn't everlasting. I felt like dirt the next day. I felt like dirt a couple hours later. Because I was going to the wrong Jesus. I mean, before Christ, that was bad. But even when I believed in Jesus Christ, the question was, did I believe in Jesus Christ to the extent where I understood doctrine? To also understand that the hardcore nature of sound doctrine, then I had a choice to make. And you have a choice to make too. Maybe if you suffer with addiction, sex, drugs, alcohol, the whole nine yards, whatever it is, and you're like, well, I've been a Christian for 10 years, but I've also been a crackhead for 10 years. I've been a Christian for 20 years, and I've also been a sexhead for 20 years. I've been a Christian for 10, 20, 15 years, and I've also been an alcoholic for 15 years. Maybe you're going to the wrong Christ. Or maybe you're refusing to submit to the real Christ. You see? Because in the real Christ, there is power. In the real Christ, there is safety and healing. And so we see this. This demon-possessed guy. This beautiful, sad part. He saw Jesus from afar in verse 6. He ran and worshipped him. And he cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. You see? Very, the influencers inside of him, the spirits inside of him, they fully know. They are fully aware of who they serve, Satan. And this guy who's possessed by them, influenced by them, influenced to the point where he's now possessed by them. And now Jesus in verse 8, for he said to him, come out of the man, unclean spirit. Singularity, unclean spirit. Then he asked him, what is your name? And he answered saying, my name is Legion, for we are many. You see, not just one. Not just one. We are, my, na my name is Legion, for we are many. In verse 10, also he begged him earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. Now, remember that no one could bind this man before. No, when this man was demon possessed, no one could bind him. No chains or shackles could hold him. And now he he's in submission to Jesus. You see, Jesus Christ was just one. He didn't have like, you know, big arms, big muscles, bench press 600 pounds. And, you know, oh, yeah, if this guy comes at me, I'm going to, you know, rip him apart. No, it's not human strength. 
He didn't come with an entourage of, you know, a, 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 a guard, a garrison of a protection force. It's just him. Just Jesus Christ. I say just Jesus Christ, but I don't like, it just sounds weird. I don't, I don't like saying it that way. Because there's, there's a lot in that package. That's a, uh, that's a, remember, he's the son of the most high. There's a lot, a lot in that. It seems weird to even refer to it like, you know, there's a lot packaged into that. But let's remember who he is. Now the world, they just see a guy. They don't realize what's in him. They don't realize who he is. He doesn't have like a, a military garrison with them, a, a, a troop of protection force. No, you don't see that. It's just him. And yet this guy who was chained up, who, you know, they just left him in the, hung out in the tombs. He would cut himself. I wonder what his face looked like. I wonder what his wrists looked like, what his body looked like. Because you remember, he's dirty, living in the graves, sh shackled. He's a cutter. I wonder what the scars look like. And now here he is. The demon revealed, my name is Legion, for we are many. In verse 11, now a large herd of swine was feeding there near the mountains. So all the demons begged him. You see, now the demons are begging. Now the demons are begging. Why? Because they know the real authority is Jesus Christ. Not, not who they serve, Satan. Now they're begging Jesus Christ. And the authority of Jesus Christ. Remember, carnally speaking, he's just a guy. Spiritually speaking, he's the son of the Most High. So all the demons begged him, saying, Send us to the swine that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave them permission. Then the unclean spirits went out and entered the swine. You see, now the guy was free. The unclean spirits came out. And now the guy who was shackled, now the guy with the cuts, now the guys with the scars from the previous cuts, he is now free in Christ, by Christ, through Christ, the real Christ, the real Messiah. Then there were about 2,000, speaking of the pigs, the swine, and the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned into the, in the sea. So those who fed the swine fled and they told it to the city and in the country. And they went out to see what, what it was that happened. Then they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been, past tense, who had been demon-possessed and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind. He's not crazy anymore. And they were afraid. I wonder, you know, remember, so they see this guy who they thought, man, he's chained up. And, you know, we, we left him over there, over, over there at the graves. And he was there with the tombs. And, you know, he was crazy and he would cut himself and he was strong. So nobody messed with him because he was too strong. And so they see him and they're afraid. Why? Because we don't, what is this guy going to do? Is he going to beat us up? Remember, he, he's so strong. Nobody can chain him. Nobody can bind him. But what they don't realize is that he's free in Christ. This is the crazy guy. Now, let me tell you something. If you are bipolar or schizophrenic, I mean, have you ever had these conversations with, you know, bipolar, those, those schizophrenia, you know, and that might be you. You might be bipolar or schizophrenic. And I've had these conversations. One lady got really mad at me at first. 
Because I said, well, you know, this is like craziness. What's what's going on? This is like, yo, don't call me crazy. I dare you. Okay, okay, okay. What should I call it? What should I call it? Is it not crazy? What do, what do I refer to it as? Is this normal? Is this behavior? Does it honor the Lord? What am I supposed to call it? Let's be straight up. Let us reason together. Let's be straight up. What am I supposed to call it? Oh, it's a disability. Okay. But is there not craziness behind that disability? Now, I don't want to sound offensive or come off offensive. But remember, there is healing in Jesus Christ. And he certainly can heal. But the question is, Several questions. The Jesus that you go to, is it the real Jesus? Not the fake ones. Not the ones who, you know, do the, uh, you know, the grave soaking. They call the Holy Spirit the, the, the uh, glitter from the rafters, the little baggies in the rafters. Not the Jesus who says it's okay to take the mark of the beast and you'll still be saved. I'm talking about the real Jesus. Because there's healing in him. And once you have your in front of that real Jesus, now there's another question. Will you submit to him? You see, that's hardcore. That's hardcore. When I say, you know, crazy, people get offended. You know, I was having this conversation with the bipolar lady. And, you know, like, how dare you say that? How dare you say it? Well, what am I supposed to call it? This behavior exemplified, not in me, this behavior exemplified in you. Is it not crazy? Let's analyze this. I mean, if you, if you, you want to debate about it, let's analyze this. You did this, you did this, you did this, you said this, you said this, you did this, you did this. Now, let's be, I mean, it's crazy. This is crazy. Okay, it's crazy. And we laughed, you know. And a little, the same conversation. The real Jesus. And are you in submission to him? It's the same thing for me too. The real Jesus and am I in submission to him? For you and me. If you're schizophrenic, if you're, you know, bipolar, tripolar, whatever, you know, schizophrenic, you know. If you're undiagnosed, let's just say crazy. Uh, if you are diagnosed, you know, we could also say crazy and let's be loose about this. For you and me, the real Jesus and you and me yielding in submission to him. And in him, there is strength, there is power, there is healing because he is able and only he, he is able. The other Christ, they can't, they can't. It's kind of, I don't want to say it's funny. But it kind of strikes me as a little humorous, but not in a, in, 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 a, in a wisdom kind of way where wisdom laughs. In a wisdom kind of way, you know, where wisdom is on the rooftops and those who don't heed wisdom, you know, all of a sudden wisdom laughs. Because what do you expect? 
People say, oh, you know what? I'm a sex head and I'm a Christian for 20 years and I've been a sex head for 20 years. I'm an alcoholic for 20 years and I'm also a Christian for 20 years. I'm a, uh, I am do drugs for 20 years, and but that's habitual sin. I'm addicted, you know. I'm, I'm clinically depressed and I do this and my doctor says it. Well, can it, does Jesus heal or does he not? Remember, the formula must be right in accordance to the word the formula must be right now inside of your heart inside of your mind our formula must be right what's inside of my heart what's inside of your heart you see and together we yield to jesus christ the townspeople, they came and they see the guy. He's no longer crazy. They thought, man, this guy is crazy. But they see him in his right mind. And in the end of verse 15, they were afraid. And those who saw it told them how it happened to him who had been demon-possessed, past tense. And about the swine, you see? And about the swine. Then they began to plead with him to depart. They wanted Jesus to leave from their region. Why is it? Why do they want Jesus Christ to leave? Very interesting what we see here that's happening in this region. Number 2,000 pigs, an unclean animal. And unclean animals, 2,000. Now they're dead. I mean, they went into the sea. So they go into the sea. And now all of a sudden they drown into the sea. But wait a second, now I have another question. What's up with these pigs? That's an unclean animal. Why was there the raising of unclean animals? He said, well, Jesus Christ is here, so that's okay. Well, he hasn't died yet. And I'm not advocating the law. But now you see something different here. Uncleanness. Profiteers from uncleanness. Very interesting what we see. And they wanted Jesus Christ to leave. But okay, that's nice that you did that. But, you know, I'm glad for this guy. But look, I'm out this money now. My 2,000 pigs are gone. So can you can you leave? Thanks, but no thanks. Bye-bye. You see? Very interesting what we see here. Now who's better? I mean, these townspeople, the farmers, the swine raisers, they might have thought, well, you know, it's really terrible to be this demon-possessed guy. And let's just leave him here and let him be crazy. He can be crazy in the tombs. We'll chain him up. And if he breaks the chains, you know, we'll, we'll just leave him here. He'll be, he'll be crazy. Now look. Now you see a complete, complete and total reversal. And it might have been bad for the demon-possessed. I mean, it was bad for the demon-possessed guy. But now look how the tables are turned. Now they're the ones who are saying, okay, Jesus, get out of here. But the demon-possessed guy, what is he saying? In verse 18, And when he got into the boat, he who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might be with him. How? <laughs> so beautiful. So beautiful. Look at this demon-possessed guy. That's why I see the, the ugliness and the beauty of verse 6. He saw Jesus from afar and he ran and worshipped him. I wonder what he thought inside. The demons had influenced them to the point where now they're possessing him and now they're inside of him. But now you see, you know, they're legion. Maybe he was complete and total schizophrenic. You know, multiple personalities, all these things. And, you know, one second is this personality and the other second, this other personality. And what, what second is actually him trapped inside of that vessel? Verse 19. 
you see? And now this guy, he's begging Jesus. Notice the demons beg Jesus too. The authority of Jesus Christ, son of the most high. And now he's begging Jesus Christ that he might be with him. You see, he just wants to be with him, be, with, be intimate with Jesus Christ. But it's not to say that Jesus Christ pushed him away. Remember, he pushed away Mary too. Mary's like, you know, he doesn't want, she doesn't want to be apart from Jesus. He, he, she, he said, Mary, I, I haven't yet ascended to my father. But when I ascend to my father, I will send you my spirit. And if you hold on to me, I can't ascend. I can't, that can't happen. So Mary, you have to let go of me. You see, because there's a different type of intimacy with Jesus Christ in his earthly ministry is to be, you know, right with him. But in his ascension, the Paracletus was sent the Holy Spirit. Now it's it's deeper with carnal eyes. You think like, how is this deep? I'm not even with him. How is this deep when he's not even here? Carnally speaking, you think the depth of intimacy with Jesus Christ was 2,000 years ago when uh, when you could sit right next to him. You could walk. You could hold his hand. You could talk with him. You could touch him. Carnally speaking, that was more intimate. Spiritually speaking, you know what's even more intimate? His spirit inside of you. The Holy Spirit inside of you. You see, I mean, these aren't bad. I mean, you read the, 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 the demon-possessed, formerly demon-possessed, this new believer begged that he might be with Jesus. In verse 19, however, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, go home with your, to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he had compassion on you. And he departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him and all marveled, you see. A former cutter, influenced by Satan, influenced by demons. And this, and Satan, remember, doesn't want anybody to believe. Satan failed with this guy. Satan thought he won with this guy because, oh, he's got his, demon, his demons inside of him. Satan thought he was victorious inside of this guy. But he wasn't. Satan failed. He was powerless against Jesus Christ. You see? And now this guy's a cutter no more. And if that's you, you're a cutter. You can be a cutter no more. But you have to go to the real Jesus and you have to submit to the real Jesus and yield to him. Why? Because his yoke is easy and his burden is light and he loves you. In him there is power. In him there is healing. You're not going to find healing in any other Christ, lowercase c, you're not going to find healing in them. Why? Because they're traps of Satan. You see? Very important. Now let's go back to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 14. In verse 1. You are the children of the Lord your God. You shall not cut yourselves. This is Old Testament, New Testament. The the problem of cutting, even today, is still a problem. Don't do it. Don't do it. And so we see, no shave the front of your head for the at the front of your head for the dead. It translates as between the eyes. Now, if you ever see the uh, um, uh, Orthodox Jews, a lot of times when you see the Orthodox Jews, they got a lot of hair. 
you know, they got the curls on the side, they got their beards, and sometimes they, you know, they, they, it looks like, whoa, this is a lot of hair. But a lot of times when they do it in accordance to the law, because there are laws that say, don't cut your hair, don't shave. This is one of them. Nor shave the front, the front head for the, for the dead. And so a lot of times when you see the, a lot of hair among the Orthodox, it's because of their serving of the Lord, but it's according to the law. These are things, when I speak of the Orthodox Jews, blindness has come to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles. See, now, if you're an Orthodox Jew and you're listening, I love you. Okay, I don't hate you. I know there's a lot of reason for you to be concerned with what you see in Christianity, especially among certain sects of the Calvinist and Reformed theory people, because some of them, a large majority of them, teach replacement theology in accordance with what is taught by John Piper, the Gospel Coalition, those that sect of Calvinism and Reformed theory. It is a theory. I don't call it theology because it is, it is unbiblical. And if you're Jewish, I love you. I don't subscribe subscribe to that brand of, if you want to call it Christianity, I don't call it Christianity. I call it another Christ, but not the biblical Christ. Because the biblical Messiah, he loves you. He loves you. And if you're Jewish and Orthodox, or Jewish or Orthodox, listen to our studies through Galatians introduction to Galatians and then all of our study through Galatians and see and understand the law and the purpose of the law. And don't forget the promise to Abraham. So I say these things, you know, sometimes because I realize that the majority of listeners are Gentile, non-Jew. But I, when I say these things, I don't want you to think like, man, you know, this, this guy is like, you know, what is he saying? Does that mean that, you know, I'm Jewish and I can't receive Jesus Christ? No. Receive Jesus Christ. Absolutely. Everybody. I don't care who you are. Male, female, young, old, Jew, Gentile. I don't care. You come to Jesus Christ. You receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And so we see this in verse 2. Reminding. Remember, Moses is, is the old Moses. He's an old guy. He's about ready to die. And he's reminding this next generation. Don't forget these things, you guys. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God, and the Lord has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. Is it because Israel is awesome? No. No, the Lord has compassion, and he chooses the base things of this world. Just like we see, he chooses Paul. Okay, he chose, he chose uh, 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 Peter. And Peter teaching the religious leaders. And they were, they were marveling themselves. Like, who's this fisherman? Look, he's got his stinky clothes. He doesn't bathe like us. He doesn't have access to the showers. And he doesn't live like we do. And he has, he's uneducated. How is it that he knows these things of the law? He didn't go to university. How is it that he knows these things like we know it? And even better than we know it. How is that? And then they perceived that he had been with Jesus. He walked with Jesus, you see. The real Jesus, I should say. <laughs> now, because, you know, when I say he, they perceive that he walked with Jesus, because sometimes not to knock the Lord nor his bride, but sometimes you look at Christians, what you see in Christianity, what's called Christianity, you look turn on TBN, Tricking Believers Nightly, and you're like, whoa, that's straight up crazy. 
And I have no argument. I have no disagreement. A lot of what you see in TBN, Tricking Believers Nightly, it is crazy. Straight up crazy. You also see the grave soakers, the glitter people, the holy laughter people, Pensacola, the whole nine yards. You see it. And it's straight up crazy. But with Peter, you know, he was learned. Why? Because he was taught by the real Jesus. You see? So sometimes it's like, wow, you know, just like in our study in Ephesians, when I ask these questions, you know, in the church today, do you see this? In the church today, do you see that? Because the Bible says this. But do you see that in the church? No, you have to look at the fruit. But the fruit that we look at, the fruit that we look at must align with Scripture. And then when we see that fruit, we know, okay, that is holy. That is of the Lord. You see, people say, oh, yeah, the fruit is in, you know, our, look at this church. We're so blessed of the Lord. We, we have, you know, the fruit is with us. The Lord is with us. Look at this fruit. How do you call it fruit? Well, we have 10,000 people in this church. But you're like, well, that's not even fruit. Biblically speaking, that's not even the fruit of the Spirit has nothing to do with numbers. You see? And the Lord has compassion and he chooses the base things of the world. He does it with people individually and he does it with people from an aggregate standpoint, such as Israel. In verse 3, you shall not eat any detestable thing. Remember the law? Remember the law. Especially, you know, th this laws that we read in Leviticus. And remember when we started our study in Leviticus, if you've been walking with us for a while, we started our study in Leviticus and there was the big warning label that came with that study. We did the New Testament studies because to, to Peter, the Lord says, kill and eat. This is the law. A lot of times you have Christians who say, oh yeah, I'm not going to eat this. I'm not going to eat that. I don't eat that. Why? Because the Bible says not to eat it. Well, where does the Bible say not to eat it? Leviticus, the Bible says don't eat this. Okay, that's the law. And if you don't, you know, if, if in your conscience, you cannot eat those things because in your conscience, I'm not going to fight you on that. I'm not going to fight you on that. But that also means that we're not going to go eat, you know, shrimp scampi together, which is a pretty good meal if I do say so myself. Sometimes I have these conversations with Christians, you know, just, a, just to get the, the feelers out there, you know. And they start, They say, oh, yeah, I don't eat this. I don't eat it because it's unclean. You know, it's a scavenger animal. It's unclean. Okay. You know, if, it, if it's in your conscience that you can't eat those things, look, you eat unto the Lord. Remember our study in Romans? I'm not going to fight you. That's not, I'm not going to fight. On, now you say, let's go grave soaking. Now we're going to have a little disagreement on that. We're going to have a little, little chat on that. Let's go grave soaking. Okay. Let's, let's talk about this, brother. Let's talk about this, sister. You see? Oh, yeah, my pastor says I could take the mark of the beast and I'll still be saved. We're, we're going to have to talk about that. In love, but we definitely have to talk about that. And that's potentially, you know, the big disagreement. But when the Lord is our ultimate authority and we yield to him, we are the ones who have to extricate ourselves from false doctrine. Which is why you hear us say from time to time, come out of her, my people. You see, you could be a Catholic. You could be a Catholic, but you can't stay a Catholic. You can be a Calvinist, but you can't stay a Calvinist. You can be a Reformed theory person, but you can't stay Reformed. 
in accordance with you know that that brand of theology i don't call it theology but that brand of theory now if you're calvinist or reformed listen to our study through romans 7 8 9 10 11 you'll understand more you see among the reformers of that sect of the calvin sect those are the ones who are teaching and it's growing that you can take the mark of the beast and you'll still be saved it's unbiblical see and so those are deep doctrinal theology theological matters matters of theology but the eating just like romans you know like I talked to a brother, I talked to a sister, he said, oh yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to eat, you know, the, those dirty animals that we read in Leviticus. Okay, I'm not going to fight you on it. You know, hopefully, you know, you'll grow and mature in Christ to a point eventually. Oh, but I'm a, I've been a Christian for 30 years, 40 years. Okay, that's, that's, but hopefully you'll still grow and mature to a point where, you know, we can have nice shrimp scampi together. But if not, we'll have, you know, cheese and crackers together. No big deal. I love you. We love the Lord. Let us eat unto the Lord. Cheese and crackers or shrimp scampi. But in the law, remember, this is the law. In verse 4, these are the animals which you may eat. The ox, the sheep, the goat, the deer, the gazelle, the roe deer, the wild goat, the mountain goat, the antelope, and the mountain sheep. And you may eat every animal with cloven hooves, having the hoof split into two parts, and that chews the cud among the animals. Nevertheless, of those that chew the cud or have cloven hooves, you shall not eat such as these. You shall not eat such as these, the camel, the hare, and the rock, hyrax. For they chew the cud, but do not have cloven hooves. They are unclean for you. Also, in verse 8, the swine is unclean for you. Very interesting. Very interesting. The swine is unclean for you because it has cloven hooves. Very interesting. So what we looked at in Mark 5, I kind of, does that ring a bell? What were, what were these farmers doing? 2,000? I mean, I, if you have a, a, a farmer who has one pig, not that that's permissible in accordance to the law, but you have an, like breeding of pigs, uncleanness. What was the, if that was the supply, and that, that was, we don't even know if that was all of the flock. Maybe it was 10% of the flock. Maybe it was 5%. Maybe there were multitudes of pigs. That's the supply. What was the demand like for these pigs? What was the demand like for these pigs? This uncleanness. You see? And then Jesus Christ going into these lands where there's uncleanness. And Jesus Christ, even today, by His Spirit, going into these unclean lands using his messengers. You see? We study these Old Testament passages through the lens of the New Covenant to understand that we go into the world, the state of uncleanness. And don't ever forget that beautiful, blessed fishing pole. Because people need to know Look at Jesus Christ. He goes into this area 
Look at all the people who were there. Yeah, the disciples were with him. But look at all the people who were there. Maybe farmers, townspeople, people in the neighborhood. And look at the one who was cleansed by him. The formerly demon-possessed guy. By legion. Because the spirits were many. Healed. Rescued. You see? So many times we dismiss the demon-possessed. Calvinist reform, oh, they're predestined to hell. We don't have to worry about them. They're predestined to hell. You see? What does that say to the character of our God? And yes, I say our God with hope that if you're Calvinist or reformed, you'll come out. Come out of her, my people. You can be Calvinist, reformed, Catholic, Lutheran, Episcopal, J-Dub, Jehovah's Witness, Mormon, I really don't care. You come to Jesus Christ, I don't care about the baggage. But I do care about your soul. You cannot stay those things. Because abiding in Christ is different. Abiding in Christ is for the consecrated. You see? In verse 8, also the swine is unclean for you because it has cloven hooves, yet does not chew the cud. You shall not eat their flesh or touch their dead carcasses. These you may eat of all these these you may eat of all that are in the waters. You may eat all that have fins and scales, and whatever does not have fins and scales, you shall not eat. It is unclean to you. Remember, this is the law. This is the law. If you're a Christian, you're abiding in Jesus Christ, the real Jesus. You've already hated my uh, urging for you. If you're abiding in another Jesus, you've repented now and you, you, you are now abiding in the real Jesus. Praise the Lord. But if you are abiding in a Jesus, lowercase j, that is not in accordance to sound doctrine, Genesis to Revelation, you're in danger. Because you think you're safe, but you're not safe. You must abide in the real Jesus, not the fake ones. There are many fake ones propagated by false teachers, false apostles, people who teach on things which they ought not to teach. Why? Because they do not understand, nor were they called. They were called by their father, the devil. It's a trap. But the real Jesus, he knows who his servants are. He knows who his messengers are. And he uses them to teach, to pour. See, these days are evil. Evil. And it's going to get worse. Now, it's going to get, it's going to get, I'm doing my air quotes, better for a time, times, and half a time. But it will be fake. It will be false. Even that form of what is better, I'm doing my air quotes, even that will be a trap. Seduction, spiritual seduction. And so, you're abiding in Jesus Christ. And if in your conscience, you still cannot eat of these things. You still not can't eat. If I were to say, you know, come on, let's go have some shrimp scampi. And you're like, no, you can't because it's in your conscience. Listen, it's okay. It's completely okay. We'll have some spaghetti. Okay, we'll have linguine. Okay, just, we'll have Alfredo, that's it. You know, fettuccine Alfredo, that's it. 
We're not, we don't have to do the shrimp scampi. But as you grow and as you mature in Christ, understand that what God has made clean, don't call dirty. Listen to our study through the book of Acts. And I, I, I can't do this with carnal hands, but with spiritual hands, it's with the utmost care that because it's beautiful, your, your conscience before the Lord is beautiful. And I've had these conversations with Christians before. That I can't do that. Look, the Bible, it's unclean. It's unclean. And I don't want that. I'm not going to argue with you. I'm not going to argue with you. But we have to understand the covenants and understand the purpose behind the covenants and how one was added because of transgression. You see, listen to our study through Galatians. You'll understand. You see. And that only comes as we grow together and mature together. And we grow in Christ. He says this in verse 11, All clean birds you may eat, but these you shall not eat. The eagle, the vulture, the buzzard, the red kite, the falcon, and the kite after their kinds. Every raven after its kind. The ostrich, the short-eared owl, the seagull, and the hawk after their kinds. The little owl, the screech owl, the white owl, the jackdaw, the carrion vulture, the fisher owl, the stork, the heron after its kind, and the hoopoe and the bat. Also, every creeping thing that flies is unclean for you. They shall not be eaten. Now, a lot of these are refresher course in what our study in Leviticus. Remember our study in Leviticus, we, 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 we covered all of these. In verse 20, you may eat all clean birds. You shall not eat anything that dies of itself. You may give it to the alien who is within your gate. <laughs> I love this so much. You shall not eat anything that dies of itself. You may give it to the alien who's within your gates. You guys don't eat it, but give it to these guys. <laughs> you may give it to the alien who's within your gates that he may eat of it, or you may sell it to the poor. This is so beautiful. I love this so much. If this is for you guys, but give it to that guy. <laughs> don't don't eat it, but here, sell it to this guy, you know. <laughs> Make a, a little profit from it, you know. Sell it to this guy. <laughs> you may sell it to a foreigner, for you are a holy people to the Lord your God. You shall not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. You now, we study this in, if you remember our study in Exodus 34. Exodus 34. Very important to understand these things because Israel, they're about to enter a land where the customs are foreign to them. The customs of these lands are foreign to them. They are a special people. The customs of the lands are not unlike what they experienced when they were in Egypt. They were in bondage, yes. But there is some form of acclamation, if you can say it like that, to what they experienced in Egypt. But they are not in Egypt. They are not in bondage. And now they're going into these lands and look at the, the outside influences. And Moses, old Moses, is saying to these young people, these young kids, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget. Remember, 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 remember. You see? In verse 22, 
You shall truly tithe all the increase of your grain that the field produces year by year. Not a one-time deal. Year by year. And of all the increase of your grain that the field produces. In verse 23, And you shall eat before the Lord your God in the place where he chooses to make his name abide. The tithe of your grain and your new wine and your oil. You see what we see here? Like grain, new wine, and oil. Does that ring a bell as new covenant believers? Grain, new wine, and oil. You see, Jesus Christ as the grain, new wine, that's us as new wineskins, and oil, the Holy Spirit. You see, the Old Testament, the writings of Moses, the Torah, when Jesus Christ says, yeah, Moses wrote about me. Do you see it? Can you see it, my beautiful brother, my beautiful sister? Can you see it? And then we see of the firstborn of your herds and your flocks that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. You see, learning to fear him. Learning to fear him. And that's what's so beautiful about the fear of the Lord is to remember and know that it's the beginning of wisdom. And if wisdom has a beginning, what does that show us? That there's more to learn, to understand as you and me together, as we walk according to the Spirit, not in the flesh, denying those things in the flesh and walking according to the Spirit of our Lord, the real Jesus Christ, the real Holy Spirit, not the fake, not the faux, not the phony, of which there are many. You say, well, that's too mean. How could you say it like that? You'll understand. You will understand as we get further into the events of the last days that there is no safety in these so-called Christs. Lowercase c. You will see. Those Christs cannot save. Those Christs cannot heal. The fake ones. But the real one? The, not the real ones. The real one. He can save. And he will save. He will heal. There's power only in him. The Holy Spirit will only seal and guide in the real Jesus. Not the fake. And people will learn this. Hopefully people, people have learned it and you know, are, are, are doing so now. But today, many are not. Many are not. But that's one of the things that's so beautiful about the 70th week of Daniel. Is that as the Lord makes himself known, both Egypt and Israel will be impacted. You see? And there will be Goshen. But both Egypt and Israel will be impacted. And I speak spiritually when I say that. Understanding what the Lord did in Egypt. And he's going to make himself known again. And people who are trapped in these other Christs. And I say trapped, but they might not think they're trapped. They might think everything's fine and dandy. But as the temperature gets hotter, as the temperature increases, they're going to realize, well, this isn't so safe. What's happening? This isn't so safe. And some, sadly, will depart. Some, sadly, will fall away. Oh, I want nothing to do with Jesus. He did nothing for me. He did nothing for me. 
That's the dangers of the last days, perilous times, times of sorrows. You see? But yet this call of God remains. And you and me together, we can learn to fear the Lord. Of course, fall in love with Him, but also learn to fear Him. You see? In verse 24, in closing, But if the journey is too long for you, so that you are not able to carry the tithe, or if the place where the Lord your God chooses to put His name is too far from you, when the Lord your God has blessed you, then you shall exchange it for money, take the money in your hand, and go to the place which the Lord your God chooses. This makes me so mad. This makes me so mad. You know why? Because of the money changers, what we see in the New Testament, in, in the Gospels, what we see in, in, in John 2 and Matthew 21, it makes me so mad. Because what happened? The money changers. They might say that they have a biblical excuse for doing what they were doing. Oh, look, Moses wrote about this. He wrote in, in, in Deuteronomy 14, verse 25. Now, they didn't have these actual reference points that were spoiled today. We have these reference points. But Moses wrote this in the scrolls. I can, I can only picture the religious leaders, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the scribes, the, the legal guys in accordance to the Torah. Look, you know, they pull out the scroll and they act all holy with their phylacteries. And what did they say? Look, Moses wrote about this. He says in verse 25, then you shall exchange it for money. Take the money in your hand and go to the place which the Lord your God chooses. You see, the Bible says that we're supposed to do this. We're supposed to have the money changers in the temple. The Bible says Moses says we have to do this. But they're following the wrong formula. They're following the wrong formula. Why? Because they were already in Jerusalem. They were already in Jerusalem. I mean, if verse 25, if the formula was right, you know what they would do? Well, before arriving to Jerusalem, you can be in Ethiopia, for example, and that's where the money changers are excused. That, that's where the ex I don't want to say the excuse for the money changers, but if you're really going to follow the teaching of Moses, that's where the money changers should have been, in Ethiopia. Rather than take a big ox with you on this journey from Ethiopia to Jerusalem, you sell it, you take the money, and then you come... I mean, it's a lot easier to, you know, have money in your pocket than it is to, you know, have an ox in your pocket. You see? It's a lot easier to have uh, 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 coins in your pocket than a turtle dove in your pocket. And if you're really going to follow the teaching of Moses, Pharisee, Sadducee, scribe, legal expert, if you're really going to follow the teaching of Moses, then the money tables, the money changers, that should have been in Ethiopia. You see? And I'm not making excuses for the money changes because they turned, they, they turned uh, my father's house, as the Lord says, I'm just the messenger. You've turned my house into a den of thieves. You see? Oh, but look, you know, Moses, we follow Moses. And he says here in verse 25, you shall exchange it for money. Take the money in your hand and go to the place where the Lord your God chooses. It is also written, they weren't, they weren't following Moses. They were following their bellies. I, this verse makes me mad in light of what we see in the New, in, in the New Testament. It makes me so mad. Because what about the lonely soul who trekked for miles and miles and days and days 
with the turtle dove. Instead of these money changers in Jerusalem, the money changers should have been in Ethiopia. I mean, if you're really going to follow what Moses wrote, the money changers should have been in Ethiopia. So you have a guy who is atoning for the sin in the tent of his family, the home, the dwelling of his family, and in homage to the Lord. Maybe he's a poor guy, has turtle doves in his pocket. He's carrying the turtle doves, caring for the turtle doves, cleaning them, making sure they're clean. They have to be the cream of the crop. But even in the journey, making sure that they're clean. So, you know, he, he brings water with him so he can wash them down, making sure they're clean. Or what if it was a, a, a little lamb trekking for days and days and days and days, all of a sudden to get to Jerusalem and taking the water, I mean, the water to drink, but then water for him to drink, water for the animal to drink. And then water for the animal to be clean because remember, that animal is going to be sacrificed. Nothing mangy. This is not advocating the law, but in accordance with the law, nothing mangy. And that's the cream of the crop. That's the best sheep. And now that sheep, you don't want it to be blemished on the journey, so you're washing it, you're cleaning it. All of a sudden, for that traveler, in honoring of the Lord in accordance with the law, to get to Jerusalem... For the priest to arrange some kind of business deal with the money tables, the money changers. And for the these, I'm doing my air quotes, for these holy men, air quotes, holy men, to take the sheep, inspect it. I'm doing my air quotes again. Inspect it. Oh, we found a blemish over here. This is unacceptable. So here, we're going to take the sheep and we're going to offer you this one. You can use this to sacrifice and we'll sell it to you for a hundred bucks. You see, what does, what about the guy? Number one, that's not his sheep. Number two, the priests, the so-called holy men, they're turning my father's house, and I'm just echoing the words of the Lord, into a den of thieves. They were thieving. If they were really following what Moses wrote, they should have changed locations and, you know, set up shop in Ethiopia or wherever, you know, 10 miles away, 100 miles away. They should have set up shop elsewhere so that the guy with the sheep could sell the sheep, take the profit, put the money in his pocket and go to Jerusalem. You see, and honoring the Lord. That's what should have happened. I mean, if, if they're going to follow Moses, I can just picture the religious leaders, the, the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees. Oh, look, look, the Bible says this. Look, the Torah says this. You shall exchange. Verse 25, you shall, with their big scrolls, you know, they act all holy. They have their phylacteries. They wear their robes and they act like they're holy men. They pull out the scrolls even, look, and they carry it like they're carrying precious jewels, but they're by their own behavior. They disavow the preciousness of those scrolls by their own behavior, denying what the scroll writes of and denying Jesus Christ because Moses wrote of him. They open the scrolls and looking all holy, you know, and 
All of a sudden they say, look, you know, verse 25, then you shall exchange it for money. Take the money in your hand and go to the place which the Lord your God chooses. It's the wrong formula. It's the wrong formula. And Jesus was mad. You see? You've turned my father's house into a den of thieves. They weren't following the formula. They turned it into a business. Instead of atoning for sin, remember the, the lonely traveler from Ethiopia in my example. All of a sudden, you take the sheep away from him and you offer him another sheep, which isn't really, I mean, how is that a sacrifice to him? How is that a sacrifice to him when that one that you gave him because of the so-called uncleanliness of the cream of the crop in, in his flock? Is that really a sacrifice for him? You're removing a, you're removing that sacrifice from now. It could be that there's a, a cleaner sheep in another tent, a cleaner sheep in another home. It could be. But for him, that was his cleanest sheep. And now it would have been a sacrifice for him if it was sacrificed. But now all of a sudden that sheep is not sacrificed and you offer him another sacrifice of which he has to pay for because you want the money. And then say he does that and he goes off on his merry way and then the other guy comes and you take that same sheep and you say, this is the this is a cleaner one. You see, they're turning into a business. Business. But it's happening today where church has become a business, passing the offering plate. Here, you know, we're going to take the tithes and offering. I like how, you know, sometimes if you're a guest in a, in a church, you know, listen for these words. You know what to look for. If you're in the market to find a church, you know, definitely pray about it. I say the market, but pray about it. Pray about it. But I'm always, you know, you're a guest in a fellowship, you know, and you listen. They say, we're going to take the offering. There's no taking the offering. It's called the offering for a reason. People offer. We're going to take the offering. You don't take nothing, oh man. You see, it's happening today. Nothing new under the sun. People are turning church into a business. The so-called pastors. Turning business into a church. Or turning church into a business. And so we see this in verse 26 in closing. And you shall spend that money for whatever your heart desires. For oxen or sheep, for wine or similar drink. For whatever your heart desires, you shall eat there. You shall eat there before the Lord your God. I love this intimacy that the Lord desires with his people. Eat before the Lord. Eat before the Lord. Eat. Old Moses saying this to this young generation. Don't forget, don't forget, don't forget. I wonder if in the back of his mind he knew these, they're going to forget. I wonder. Not to say that Moses didn't have hope. Of course, of course he did. But just the nature of people. The nature of people knowing what he, he has experienced this all this time. Remember, because of his own loss of temper misrepresenting the Lord. Now he can't go enter the promised land. He's included in that first generation that is restricted from the promised land. 
Now, don't forget, he was at the Transfiguration. So, you know, be hopeful in, in, in that. I'm not, you know, sometimes you read passages and you're like, oh, does that mean that, you know, you know, what is that? Did Moses, did, did this happen to Moses? Don't forget the Transfiguration. You know, the glorified bodies. You know, don't forget these things. And so we see here in verse um, 26, you shall eat there before the Lord your God and you shall rejoice, you and your household. You see, beautiful old Moses desiring these beautiful things for the next generation. In verse 27, you shall not forsake the Levite who is within your gates for he has no part nor inheritance with you. Remember, the, the Levite doesn't partake in these things of the camps of Israel. Why? Because within the camp, there are rules and statutes in the law for portions to be given to the Levites. Now, you see how the Levites in the course of time, how they turn things, how they change things, the corruption But they had a task to do. And their task was for Israel to be clean before the Lord. Now, we see Jesus with the swine. What happened? Why? Number one, where, why is there a supply of the swine? But then we look at the demand side. Why is there demand for the swine? You see, uncleanliness in the land in accordance to the law. And the fulfillment of the law goes into the land. The fulfillment of the promise goes into the land. And what did they do? Crucify him. Both Jew and Gentile crucify him. Remember, the, the Romans crucified him. But don't forget, it was the Jews too who says, crucify him. We have no king but Caesar. Both Jew and Gentile crucified the son of the most high God. See? And he died for you and me. In verse 27, You shall not forsake the Levite who is within your gates, for he has no part nor inheritance with you. At the end of every third year, you shall bring out the tithe of your produce of that year and store it up within your gates. You see, every third year. And the Levite, because he has no portion or inheritance with you, and the stranger and the fatherless and the widow who are within your gates may come and eat and be satisfied. How beautiful is this? Yes, there's no provisions for the Levites, but their provision is from the people. You see, pray for your pastors. Pray for your pastors. If you have no pastor, pray for your teacher. You see, very perilous times. All these people who are within your gates. Get the prophetic implications of what we read. May come and eat and be satisfied. This is the law. Which is a shadow of things to come. And there's still more to come. The return of Jesus Christ. That the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands which you do. How beautiful is this? That the work of your hands can be blessed. The steps of your feet can be blessed. Why? Because we are a people set apart. Just like the Old Testament, Israel, you are a people set apart. Don't partake in these things of the other people, that the, the, the lands in which you go into. But the same thing can be said for us. Don't partake of these things. That is the world. We're just passing by. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. We're just passing by. We're sojourners. You see? There is a Jerusalem above. Remember our study in Galatians? That's our destination. 
all in accordance to the Spirit, how He guides, how He leads, and all in obedience to Jesus Christ, Son of the Most High. We're going to end our study here, Lord willing, pick up in chapter 15 next week to the beautiful people of the way. God bless you. I love you.